Well, listen, we started a series last week on the person, the nature, and the work of the Holy Spirit. So we want to continue that. And we really talked about how that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's not a force or some cosmic thing. He's not an inanimate object because you can't have a relationship with an inanimate object. He's a person. He's a divine person. He's God. And he lives on the inside of you as a believer. As you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he dwells not only within you, but upon you. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, We're going to talk about today the person and nature uh, of who he is. The hardest thing about talking about this is there's so much in the word about it. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. But the anointing of God is here. And, and, and it's, and he, or I should say, he's here. Because the anointing is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So you're anointed. You have a measure of the anointing even as a believer. As you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now that anointing empowers you to be a witness in so much else. The goal is not to just have an event where you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's to continually, the, I think it's in Ephesians 5, it says, be filled with the Spirit, and it talks about be being filled. It's a constant. I'm constantly being filled. So if you study the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's just like God, it increases. So the Bible talks about salvation like a well that's inside of you. And that well is for you. You draw out from the wells of salvation. But the Holy Spirit, he's like rivers. And and those rivers are for others. Those rivers empower you to walk through this earth. You know, there's an enemy here. He's been defeated, but he'll talk you out of your blessing if you let him. But I'm telling you, we have the greater one on the inside of us. And it is to increase. You know, it's like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like it, it starts out like a stream. And you think that's amazing. You're like, how can I have any more of the Holy Spirit? But then it turns into, you know, like a creek. And then it turns into a small river. And then pretty soon a rushing river. And then pretty soon an ocean. And that's the way it's to be. You know, we know Jesus. See, here's my heart. So many, so many believers, they think, man, I'm really filled. And they're not really Holy Spirit filled. They're just Holy Spirit touched. But just that touch is so good. But he wants you to go further in that. And to go further in that, this is what we're talking about. You have to, he wants you to know him very intimately. So let's talk about that today. We're going to, we, you know, he's called the comforter. So we want to talk about what does this mean, the comforter? So go to John chapter 14. I want to look at some scriptures. John, he used the word comforter. Now the gospel of John was written many, many, many years after the other three gospels were written. And if you read the gospel of John, he emphasizes love But he really, it's almost like he doesn't talk about what the others talked about. It's almost like he's filling in blanks. Okay? So so it's real interesting, but he uses references that no other New Testament author uses. 
he calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Jesus used that term, and it's the Greek word parakletos, which is a very, very old word. It's a very old word. I think it's about 1,500 years older than the New Testament. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a vague word. So it's, it's, uh, there's no just, okay, this is the word and this is just the definition. It's, it, they, I think they call it a heptatic word or something like that. It, it just means it's very, very old. So we want to look at this and break this down because he's our parakletos. He's our comforter. And he's not a new one. He's another one. He's just like Jesus. Okay, so let's look at this. This is one of the places where he uses this word. In John 14, verse 16, it says this, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. We looked at last week this scripture, and that word another is the Greek word allos. It means another one that's exactly the same. So the Holy Spirit is exactly the same as Jesus. He operates the same way. That's why if you want to look at how, how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you, all you have to do is look at the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. That's the relationship that you're to have with the Holy Spirit. That's the relationship you're to have with the anointing. See, as you get to know the Holy Spirit, you really learn how to flow in the anointing. Really, really know how to flow in the anointing. But this word comforter, at its very surface, it means one who is called alongside of you to help you. And you heard me say this last week, the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything for you. He does everything with you. Okay? So this is a big part of his ministry. And it says here, I'm going to, give, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So we see the Holy Spirit, is gonna, he's going to live on the inside of me forever. He's going to be with me forever. Could you imagine how well you can get to know somebody after 500,000 years? Right? But you know, with, with him, we'll never get bored. I love where it talks about God sitting on the throne and these angelic beings are flying around the throne of God. The Bible does not state how long, uh, but I mean from eternity. And, and as they're flying around the throne of God, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And in the ancient Hebrew dialect, part of this is a warning. This is a holy God. But another part of it, and this is what's really cool, in the ancient Hebrew dialect, this, this phrase, holy, 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 is coming as a response to something. So as they're flying around the throne, it's like they see something new in the personality of who God is, and it just causes them to just go, holy, holy, holy. So, I mean, how, how long, how vast, how big is God? Isn't that amazing? See, I don't know, you know, I know it says, it says Jesus in Colossians 2 was filled with all the fullness of God. That's in Colossians 2.9. Verse 10 tells us 
that we have the same capacity in our born-again spirit to be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, remember the the demon-possessed guy of Gadara, right? Well, what remember when the the demon the demon-possessed man falls down at the feet of Jesus and and Jesus asks him what your name is and he says, "My name is Legion because we are many." You know what that word legion, you know how many a legion is? 6,823. So here's this person who's not born again, who has the capacity to hold 6,823 demons inside of them. The capacity of our spirit, your spirit and my spirit, what's that capacity? Well, it's got to be infinite because it could hold all the fullness of God. Part of this study on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, on the person, nature, and work of the Holy Spirit, this will, this will really define your identity. You're not average and ordinary. You're extraordinary. And what, what the words, the Greek words, when you got saved, what happened, we're going to see this today, that the Holy Spirit came into you put a brand new spirit in you. And then he came and dwelt. And it says now we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is, that, that Greek word literally means it's an elaborate shrine. If you can see your spirit, it's amazing. And as you get to know him, you'll get to know you. Because our identity is found in Christ. It says that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, he is the one that reveals God's word to us, whom the world cannot receive. Why can't the world receive him? Now this is talking about people that don't know God. They've not been born again. They can't receive him because they can't even see him. Neither do they know him. But then look at what the word says, but you know him For he dwells with you. How does he dwell with me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And shall be in you. He dwells in me in salvation. I will not leave you comfortless, Jesus said. I will come to you. Notice how Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he finishes by saying, I will come to you. See, we talk about receiving Jesus But does Jesus live in my heart? Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus lives in my heart in the person of the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that. So let's go. Let's keep keep going with this. See, Jesus is instructing his disciples. He's saying, guys, this is the last interaction. Chapter 14, 15, and 16 is right before he was taken to be crucified. So he's saying, guys, we're, we're going to go, we're entering a new time now. I'm not going to be with you. It's going to be different. It's going to be different because I'm not physically going to be with you, but it's going to be the same and it's going to actually be better because now if, if I go to Capernaum and you're over here in Thessalonica, we're not together. But now when the Holy Spirit comes, everywhere you go, he'll be with you. So it's better. That's what Jesus is saying. So here in verse 16 is the first time this word comforter is used, parakletos. 
Now in John chapter 15, jump over one chapter, John chapter 15, verse 26, that says, but when the comforter, again, the Greek word parakletos, again, one called alongside to help you, when he's come, who I'm, whom I will send from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify, or he shall, that means witness of me. Now go to John 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now it's real interesting, this Greek word, parakletos, is, is uh, in all of these situations, he's called the comforter. In 1 John, I want you to turn there to see this. In 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, the same word, this is the only other time this word is used, but it's translated advocate. So remember how I said this word's a little vague. So we have to take a bunch of different things and we could build it and to, to get to where we could understand exactly who he is and what he does. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. So everywhere else in the New Testament, this word is... is uh, translated comforter but this time it's saying advocate that would be like an attorney it means one that pleads a case for another if any man sin we have an advocate with the father who is that jesus christ the righteous so jesus seated at the right hand of god is your advocate he pleads your case isn't that good news man so john is using this greek word and, and, and he's using it for a reason, and we're going to see this. Hallelujah. John 16, 7, in the Amplified, says it this way. And, and let me say this about the Amplified. The Amplified Bible is a translation. And it's, it's almost like a translation with a mini commentary. And a lot of times, if you see things in brackets, they're parenthetical definitions that are expanding the Greek language. So... Once in a while, they don't do such a good job, but most of the time, it's a, it's a good translation. Uh, I, would, I would highly recommend that as a translation. It says in John 16, 7 in the Amplified, it says, However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, profitable, good, expedient, and advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter. And now it's going to give us some words that describe describe comforter and they all fit in the greek the counselor the helper here again we see advocate intercessor strengthener and standby the holy spirit is my comforter he consoles me we need the holy spirit don't we have you ever have you ever needed to be comforted right? When you're sad, 
the comforter comes and consoles you and helps you. But we also need a counselor. That would be an advisor, right? People See, people are looking for counselors when they have the counselor, the one who knows everything on the inside of them. See, we don't, as a pastor, I don't counsel people. The IRS hates it when I say I'm, I counsel somebody because I'm not a licensed counselor, right? I give spiritual guidance. As a pastor, actually, what do I do? I, I'm only anointed to feed you the word, right? But the counselor's down on the inside of you, and he, he'll help you. What is a counselor? That would be somebody who would guide you. So not only when you're sad, you might need a con- somebody to console you, a comforter, but now you've got a counselor that will advise you. How many of you have ever had to make a decision in your life? Maybe a couple times, right? Today? He'll help you. To be honest with you, he's in every day of your life, and he knows the plan of God for you. He was there. He's God. He knows everything about you, so he'll guide you. He's a counselor. Now, he's also a helper. What does a helper do? A helper gives assistance, right? I I love this. Here's an example of this. Now, you'll have to bear with me. If you've ever lifted weights, so you're on this bench press, and you might have a lot of weight, and then you have this guy spotting you. That would be like the helper. It's amazing how you could have... 200, 300 pounds on there, all of a sudden you can't move it. But have you ever had a spotter and they just touch the bar? And instantly the thing starts moving. Now, I don't know about you, I've spotted, but in these four little fingers, I couldn't, there's no way I'm really doing anything. But it's just something about having a helper. So think of the Holy Spirit as your spotter. He'll spot you in weightlifting. This is what it looks like. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul Paul gave an example of this because here's the thing. We're all going to get in situations. Now hear me. If you live on this earth, you are going to get in situations where it will be bigger than you. Where there's, there's no way you can fix it. Right? But here's the good news. You'll never be alone. You'll always have the helper with you. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 9, it says this. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Now this is Paul. Paul, in his ministry, he would have Judaizers come by and they would rile people up. So he would go and preach. Next thing you know, they're stoning him. They're throwing him in prison. They're wanting to kill him. All this persecution, blow after blow after blow. And and because of the revelations that God gave him, Satan sent a messenger. It's a satanic force that would rile the people up. And everywhere he would go, it'd go from a great meeting to now they want to kill him all the time. So he, he goes to the Lord three times about this. Can you please take this away from me? And look at what God says to him. He doesn't say no. He tells Paul, he said to me, this is God talking to Paul, my grace 
is sufficient for you. Isn't that good news? Did you notice the word is? That's present tense. The grace of God, the minute you get in a situation, the grace of God is there for you. Whether you know it or not, it's there. You have to access it, but it's always there for you. He said, my grace is, present tense, sufficient for you. Why? For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's like, that's like a spotter. It's like a helper. Where my ability ends, his ability starts. You actually learn to just get out of his way and learn to flow with him. But this is real interesting. It says, my strength. God says, my strength. That first word, strength, is the word dunamis. It literally means God's inherent power. It's miraculous power that is released. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That's why I said, yours and my weakness is the perfect match for God's strength. So don't ever, oh, I just feel so weak. This is why the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. Why? Because I'm not strong in myself. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is why Paul said in his writing to the church at Ephesus, he said, finally, my brethren, be strong. Be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. Isn't that good news? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says this, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. This is the Greek word asthenios. It doesn't mean sicknesses. It means weakness. And here's what, it, at the root of it, it means an inability to produce results. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you had something to do and, and you came to the end of yourself and you're like, I, I just, I can't do this. Well, no more. Because now we say, I can do all things through Christ. Why? I'll gladly, I'll rather glory in my weaknesses or in my inability to produce results. Why? I glory in them. That the power of Christ, now, now notice what it says. It doesn't say the power of Jesus. It says the power of Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. When I glory in my weakness, then now the power, the anointing of Almighty God rests upon me. Therefore, at verse 10, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in weaknesses. Why? Because, oh, I get to see God work. Are you in a situation that's, that you can't fix? You're in a great situation. Because now, if instead of complaining, you'll glory in it. How do I do that? Father, I thank you that your power and your ability and your anointing, that you're working to change this situation. I thank you for that. See, now I've positioned myself where now 
this strength of God, this anointing of God can now flow. It's like I'm inviting it into my life. It says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in weaknesses, in when I have an inability to produce results. I take pleasure in reproaches, in necessities. Have you ever had any lack in your life? I'm no longer afraid of it because I know the power of God will come. Right? Paul said, I've learned this in whatever state I am to be content and to do what? To say I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because God shows up and provides everything. Everything. So it says, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, And then he says this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. But it's a different word, strong. It's not the word dunamis. It's an offshoot of that. This word doesn't mean inherent power because it's not coming from Paul. When I'm weak, then I am strong. This word, it it literally means imparted strength. So whenever I'm weak, God imparts his strength into me. How much of it do I need? He has an inexhaustible supply. See, it's not dunamis, it's dunatos. It's a different Greek word of the same root. Isn't that amazing how the word of God is so accurate? God says, my inherent power will be available to you. And then I say, well, when I'm weak, now I am I have his imparted strength into me, so now I'm strong. This is why I never fear. I walk by faith. I don't fear. Why? Because what, what, who can touch me? Because as long as I understand these things, I've got the greater one in me. I've got the greater one upon me. Whatever I face in life, if I'm taking a test at school, he'll bring it to my remembrance. If I'm tired and weak physically, he'll impart his strength into my physical body. He'll help me. Always. In every situation. Not if you're good enough. See, this is where the church is missing it. If I'm just good enough, If I just go to church enough, if I just read my Bible, no, 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 no. It's all about relationship. Everything flows out of relationship. And guys, we have to know this. You know, right now, what, in the last few days, we're bombing Syria. I think we're done with that now. Do you know, I mean, we're at the end of this age, guys. We, we We are entering a time in the earth that in the world standards, very troubled. You know, all in that Ezekiel 38 conflict, which will begin. See, see, how do you know another reason for a pre-trib rapture? Right now, I mean, God's going to deliver Israel when all this, I mean, every, every nation is all there in coalition. The only one that's not, that's not involved in all this stuff is Saudi Arabia. But if you look at the Ezekiel 38 war, they're not involved. It's really amazing. The first time, and then there's Russia sitting back, and they're ticked. And they're going to be leading this whole thing. Well, God's going to deliver Israel, but it'll be after the church is gone. Because once the church is raptured out of here, now 
The church is the one with authority, but now God, the church age is over, and now God will protect Israel. But we're living in these times. And I'm telling you, it's, it's so, well, we're going to see a great awakening in the church. Amen. You know, and, and we have to be ready for that. Fearless. Walk in our authority. Why? Not because of what we know, but who we know. Amen. This, is, this, is, this is everything. It's, it's, and this is what this series is all about. I want you to get to know the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, I started this years and years ago. I can't tell you how awesome it is. He just, he's more real to me every day. And he loves me, and he loves you, and he wants to help you. He's right there. When you're going through life, he's right there with his hands on that bar, and he won't ever let it fail. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. What's another word for him? It's listed advocate. This is one who pleads a case for another. And and you got to look at this word advocate because it means attorney, but it's one who pleads a case for another. And this another is the person that's in trouble to the point where they can't help themselves. So if you ever get to where you can't help yourself, you have help. Now, most of the time, when I've gotten myself in trouble to where I could no longer help myself, guess whose fault it was? It was mine. But that doesn't matter. Because the minute I turn to him, he turns to me. The minute I move towards God, he moves towards me. Isn't that good news? So he's there for you all the time. He helps you when people come against you. Because the enemy, remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your problem is never people, although it looks like it. Because the enemy will use people. He will use circumstances. He will use all this stuff. But now you have a helper. You have an advocate. What does that advocate do? He'll speak for you. He'll give you the words to say in every situation. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to prepare. You're always going to be ready if you allow him into your life. Then he's an intercessor. I love this. An intercessor, this word means a negotiator between two parties. It's someone who brings two parties together. Basically, an intercessor, the Holy Spirit, has connected me to the Father. Right? The Holy Spirit, on the inside, positionally is always connecting me to the Father. The mere fact that I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me forever proves that I am connected to the Father. Outwardly, the fact that Jesus is in heaven, Jesus is not interceding the activity of interceding. He's not praying for me. Why is that? Because the work's already done. He's interceding for me. See, there's two types. You have to look at this word. There's the position of intercession and the action of intercession. Well, outwardly, the mere fact that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father forever proves in position that I am connected to the Father. Inwardly, the fact that I'm down here with the Holy Spirit forever proves that I'm connected to the Father. 
both inwardly and outwardly. I am protected. Isn't that good news? This is huge. Jesus intercedes positionally at the throne of grace at his Father's right hand. And the Holy Spirit intercedes within us. What else? It's a, he's a strengthener. Well, you're like, well, wait a minute. He's spotting you. Well, let's talk about this. This is a different word, strengthener. It's someone who gives strength to another. So it'd be, it'd be kind of like this. It'd be like a strength coach. So, so one who gives strength to another, that could even be like a physical therapist who's, who's getting somebody, working them out to get them strong. He's, that he or she is giving strength to another person. Helping them get strong. But here's with God, what he does is he imparts strength. Well, what strength does he impart? His strength. This is why faith is a rest. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit will build strength into you. How does he do that? By revealing God's word to you. But realize this. You, could, you can say no. When I was in California, I was... You, you just see these things if you've been in a gym long enough. So I'm over here working out, and there's this young guy benching with no spotter. And, you know, I see him. And, and I'm, I'm kind of looking, and I'm wondering why nobody's over there. You know, there's other guys right by him, and they're not helping him. But he's stuck, and, and you could see he's kind of doing this, and, and, he, and, he, and he seemed to just get it back on the lower rung of the bar, close to where his neck is. And so, what does he do? You think, well, he's going to take a bunch of weights off and just... No, he leaves all of them on and puts more on. So I'm, I'm like doing a bicep workout, so I stop, and I'm like... You know, and then he, he gets down there, and I'm thinking, this guy is going to actually try to lift this. So, you know, I walk over and act like I'm getting a drink, and sure enough, man, he pulled it off that ring, and it's like, mm. <laughs> and you know, and, it's, and, and so I kind of walk, I, I walk over, and I kind of help him and get it up, and everybody's like, oh, man, thank you. I'm thinking, wow, right? <laughs> this is what we do, though. We say, don't we? We're men. I got this. Honey, should we get directions? No, I know where I'm going. <laughs> Famous last words, right? I could get lost in a mall. Right? I'm really good with up and down, but everything else. And, and, and when you get somebody who gives you directions, yeah, go down here and turn west. That means nothing to me. Right or left, please, right? But see, what do we do? We get ourselves in trouble because we don't ask for help. Or, or we have this strength coach that's going, man, let me help you. I know everything you're going to need. I know everything you have to develop. Everything in the word of God that you're going to need to know, Rob. Can I help you? But we have to say yes. So all these things, he's here and he's in us. And I love this one. He's your standby. This would be like, a great, a great example of this would be, he's your co-pilot, right? He, he's there. He's your standby. He's someone who could be relied on. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit 
is always standing by ready to help you. Do you see how in the, in the church world, religion says that God's standing by watching you, and if you mess up, he's going to smack you. The only thing you never hear with that kind of preaching is scripture because there isn't any. Amen. Right? I mean, if you had that translation, you know, first or second imaginations or whatever, yeah, you know, it might be in there, but it's not in the Bible. No, the Holy Spirit is standing there going, I'm all-powerful, I'm all-knowing, and I love you more than anything. So you're going to see this as we get into this word. There's another word that I can hardly say it. It talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. Because that, we're going to see that this is, he is one-on-one. He wants to have a relationship with you that he will have with nobody else. It's you and him. Just you and him. For each of us, he, he really is motivated to help us. The most literal meaning of this word comforter is the word helper. He's just a helper. He call, he's called alongside of you to take hold together with you against whatever you face in life. And trust me, I mean, could you imagine walking in the, in the worst neighborhood with like a Navy SEAL? Fully armed, you probably would not be afraid at all, would you? Well, you are walking wherever you go with God. And see what he'll do. See, he empowers you to witness. It's hilarious when you try to witness. Have you, ever, have you ever been afraid to witness? It's because you don't know who, who you have inside of you. Because what, how, this is witnessing. He, he brings illumination or light from the word of God out of your heart. And all of a sudden you become a light. And that's just being a witness. So my thing is, are we going to play Christianity or are we going to be a Christian? Right? Because playing it doesn't work because we're not wired to be something outwardly that we're not inwardly. Right? We, we live out of the inside and it changes who we are on the outside. I love that. So the verb form of the word parakletos It also means to beseech or exhort. So there's a verb form of this noun, parakletos. It it means to exhort you. It means to beseech you. Like remember in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, 12.1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living holy sacrifice. That's That's that verb form here. Know this, the Holy Spirit not only comforts you, not only helps you, but he encourages you. He helps you. He intercedes for you. He'll entreat. He'll exhort. And he'll beseech you. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit is a persuader. He's the master convincer. You know that word where it talks about how the Holy Spirit convicts? The conviction of the Holy Spirit? You know that word convict? Literally means convince. Convince. See, we're, we, we want to go beat people up with the Bible. Turn or burn. 
What does that mean to somebody who doesn't know God? Nothing. Right? John 3.16. Who's John 3.16? Right? No, no. See, what happens is the Holy Spirit will use us, will use everything to convince people that they need Jesus. But I got to tell you, the Holy Spirit is always going to be inside of you and upon you, convincing you, walk by faith. Trust me in this. You can do this, right? He's always trying to convince you to walk by faith, to allow him to lead you, to walk in the love of God. See, without the persuasion of the Holy Spirit, preaching could not produce anything. Does that make sense? Like I'm getting up here telling you about the Holy Spirit, but if, if it's not him teaching you, it will produce no results. So I have to completely rely on him because I have an inability to do what he's called me to do within myself. But in reality, see, man was never made to do anything alone. We were made to be completely united in fellowship with God. God loves man. Isn't that awesome? See, no sound doctrine could endure if it wasn't for the persuasion of the Holy Spirit. So now, Barclay's commentary, uh, it really brings out this word parakletos. I, really, I want to read some things to you. So it comes from the Greek word, verb paraklene, which means to call in and to summon. This is another part of this word that we have neglected. So the Greek word, verb, paraclene, it means to call in or to summon. So now think about this. It means to call in an ally or to call in a counselor or to call in an advocate to come and help you and plead a case for you. You're actually calling someone in to help you. It means to call. Now, this is a huge part of this word. In in the Greek culture, they had the Greek games. They had races, like the Olympics and all this stuff. Well, it means to call in a man who would undertake a public duty on his own expense of maintaining a team that would run in the race. It would be his job to prepare a team, to train a team, and to maintain them so that they can go run in a race. That's what this word paraclete is which is the verb of the word parakletos. So think about this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, tells us we are all in a race. But the Holy Spirit, we can call him in to train us, to help us, to prepare us. This is, this is, this is his ministry. Are you starting to see this? This is huge. This man took on the duty of preparing, training, and maintaining those who would run in a race. The work of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, is to prepare you, to train you, and to maintain you so that you can go run your race. You can't run your race without him. This is why we teach on this. Guys, we need the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking of that movie that came out in the 80s. 
Have you ever, what about Bob? Have you ever seen that movie? At one point he's going, I need, I need, I need. That's us. We need the Holy Spirit. I could walk back and forth here and say, we need the Holy Spirit. After saying it about 20 or 30 times, we might be like, yeah, I need the Holy Spirit. We can't see our path. We can't understand anything here. We can't do anything he's called us to do because he doesn't call us according to our ability. He calls us according to his ability. A paraclete is called into a situation in which a man could not cope on his own. There's so many Christians trying to cope on their own. Let's stop that. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. The naos is the Greek word. It means an incredible, highly decorated shrine. You are. If you could see your spirit. As God hath said, look at this, I will dwell in them. I love this part. And I will walk in them. Isn't that amazing? God walks in me. Wow. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. I am so glad that I could wear a, a t-shirt that says, I am God's property. Because, you know, what does that mean? I'm, I'm literally unable to be defeated. The only, way, the only way I could be defeated is if I choose to go by what I see and get freaked out and let go of who I am in him. And don't ask for help. My self-image comes out of a revelation of this. If you're a child of God here today, boy, if you could see on the inside of you, when the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you, he, you became a naos. See, he didn't, he didn't just bring some nice furniture in. Highly decorated shrine that is worthy for God. Oh, how Satan would love to get you looking at the outside and going, you know, oh, I'm just nothing because of how much money I make or what I do or my mistakes. But, oh, who you really are. Listen, if you're a child of God this morning, you've done, you've done nothing that could long-term change and affect your life. With God, he makes all things new. So when you get him involved, he'll make you the head and not the tail. He'll make you above and only and not beneath. He'll bring increase into your life. He'll heal your body. He'll give you wisdom beyond yourself. It's never too late with him. So now let's look at 1 Corinthians. You're in 2 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Talking about our body is the temple It says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God and you are not your own. 
For you're bought with a price. Well, what price was that? That was the blood of Jesus. It cost him his life to purchase you. It says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to him. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 7. I want you to see this. It's really an amazing Greek word here. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. So it's almost, in the wording in the Greek, it's just kind of like, wow, I can't even comprehend this. The earthen vessel, it literally means our bodies. This fragile body. This in itself impoverished body compared to what we have on the inside. God placed in this body treasure. We have this treasure. Now this word treasure is real interesting. We get, have you ever heard of a, a I think it's Roger's thesaurus? It's a, it's a treasury of words. So like if, it, if, if you have a word that has all these words that are just like it that you could use. It's, it's this word treasure, is, it talks about an inexhaustible treasure. What you have on the inside of you cannot even be defined. It's so great. It's inexhaustible. A, a way, the reason why he used this Greek word is basically the, the, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write this. You have a treasure in you that words could never explain how great it is. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's in you. And the Holy Spirit of God is in you. Wow. We're more than who we seem. This tells, that, tells us that there are not words to describe this incredible treasure. It's a, just amazing. God is saying, it's a, or the, the word is saying, isn't it amazing how that in a, in a physical body, which is still, we don't have our glorified bodies yet, still God puts this treasure in us. He values you. He wants you to become everything that he's created you to be. So now you're there. Go to 2 Corinthians 13, and I want to kind of finish with this thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. In my opinion, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, this is probably one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. And we read over it because it's at the end of a letter. So it's kind of like the farewell address of the letter. But in this is amazing. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit is to always be. This, this verse gives us literally a picture of what our spiritual life is to be. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is talking about our conversion experience. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. We can never be good enough. God, in his grace, gave me salvation. 
and the love of God. See, now that you're saved, old, the old is completely past. Everything is new. And now, when, do you remember when you first got saved? Or do you remember? See, if you walk with the Lord, you're living in this all the time. You just, you're just walking in the fact that, my goodness, I am loved by the God of heaven. His eyes are always upon me. His ears are always open to me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's everything I need because he loves me so much. The love of God. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything is new. Wow. And I love 1 John 4, 19. Here's the reality of the love of God here. We love him because he first loved us. And then this communion and the communion of the Holy Spirit. We'll probably start talking more about that next week a little bit, but I'm going to give you a taste of it. This is the place of spiritual maturity. There's a lot of people that are saved, but they haven't come to the knowledge of the truth. The place of spiritual maturity is where you and I learn to commune with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's literally the Greek word koinonia. For you note-takers, I'll spell it just because everybody's going, oh boy. It's K-O-I-N, not coin, like C-O-I-N, K-O-I-N, O-N-I-A, koinonia. We get our word fellowship from it. So this word, it's a very old, old Greek word, if you go all the way back, this word was first used to describe sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. Why did, why did they use that word for God, this communion? Because you got to see that the Holy Spirit's communion with us, what he's trying to show is it's one-on-one. There's one-on-one communion that is so intimate that it is never to be shared with anybody else. He will speak to me and commune with me and fellowship with me differently than he will with Jeanette. Because why? Well, he's got different, there's, there, we're different. It's all one-on-one with him. It's really amazing. See, we'll get a sense of intimacy sometimes if you come into a worship service in corporate worship. This is the depth of most people's intimacy. They come into corporate worship and it's awesome and if they accidentally open their heart, they're like, wow, I just sense the presence of God. That is like, that is just the beginning. You could have this all the time. All the time. This word means also fellowship. So it means intimacy. It, fe- it means fellowship. And then it even means partnership. Koinonia, it describes this intimate relationship between two people. So what are we saying? You and I are to have ongoing, intimate individual, like where he's our partner, it's one-on-one, ongoing fellowship with him all the time. See, many don't know God's will for their life because they don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to lead. But oh, when you learn how to walk with him, you can just sense, and and pretty soon, he just kind of, in him, you live and move and have your being. So Jesus lives in our hearts in the person of the Holy Spirit. We're born again, right? 
by the Holy Spirit. It feels like Jesus is coming into our heart. Why? Because the minute the Holy Spirit gets in your heart, what is he doing? He's testifying of Jesus. Always. That's what he always does. He reveals Jesus to us. We're sanctified by him. That means we're set apart by him. We're transformed into the image of Jesus by him. The Holy Spirit seals us. He convicts a person of sin. He convinces them of their righteousness. All of these things. He empowers us to be a witness. And many of us in charismatic circles know these things doctrinally and intellectually. So what? Because you won't, you won't commune with him if you just know it doctrinally and intellectually. He wants you to know it experientially. That's what he wants us to know. This is so, so very important. Did you get something out of this today? Be- before going on to a, pr- a lot of principles, you've got to understand him. And here's the thing. You've got to understand that he loves you. And he wants to help you. And he, and he knows how to do that. Praise God. Well, let me pray for you before we go. Father, in the name of Jesus.